and welcome to episode 8 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And coming up, we'll be speaking to Sam Aaron about Sonic Pi. But before that, let's do some news. And the first thing is the uh, Raspberry Pi Foundation have released an official projects book. So last time we were on the podcast, we were talking about their uh, command line book, and now there's a, an official projects book. So if you want to get building for Christmas, then uh, yeah, it's available as a download or again online, and uh, it's expected to be in print as well. So you should be able to buy a physical copy. Did uh, either of you two have a chance to, I downloaded it, but I have yet to flip through it. I have too many books already on my plate. Did either of you get a chance to really go through this yet? I gave it a a, a quick run through, and uh, there's definitely some interesting projects in there. I think... Uh, once I get the one that I'm working on out of the way, I'll be going back into it. And it's also what I love about um, projects books like this is you get tips, you get ideas, you get somebody else's way of doing things. So the way I end up using books like this is finding a project that's similar to the problem I'm trying to solve and then stealing their code and their circuits to make my own one. It's not stealing, it's open source, it's fine. That's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll understand this open source one of these days. And speaking of open source, again, this is Creative Commons. So it's you know free to download and share, or you can support the foundation by buying a print copy of it. So um, that that's really good to see. And it's from the, the makers of the Magpie magazine. We talked to Russell last time. Um, so it's just get more good stuff coming from that camp. And also following up with their official project book is the first 30 issues of the Magpie are now free. And I believe that's available through their Magpie app. Yeah. So if you if you go on to uh, iTunes or the Apple Store, then the uh, the first 30 issues are there. Um, they're always available as a PDF to download and now they're available uh, on the e-reader formats as well, which is brilliant. Yeah, you can support the foundation by paying for subscriptions through the app. Um, or you can get them for free. And I think that's a really great model because it means that there are disadvantaged people out there who literally can't afford to pay for this stuff, but the information is so valuable that you know they realize, let's just put it out there for free, and people who can afford to pay for it will do. And you know, you're not kind of forcing people to pay for it. And in a way, that means that you'll end up getting people contributing probably more than they would have in the first place. So I, I really like this model, and I'm really glad to see that the foundation are taking that route. Yeah, and it works great for kids as well. You know, subscribing to the magazine, they may not be able to, to afford it on a continuous basis, especially the younger children, but just downloading a PDF, it's there. They got it. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a, an Indiegogo campaign going on at the moment that I, I know I put money into, the Pytop C desktop. So these guys did the Pytop, which is a laptop based on the Raspberry Pi. Um, it was about, I think, $300 for the laptop. And I kind of went past on that because I don't need a laptop. But the Pytop Seed is, it's kind of like an all-in-one. So it's a screen with uh, the Raspberry Pi goes under a panel underneath it. And then there's the, the controller board to take the HDMI signal to drive the screen itself. And on the Indiegogo, it's $100, which when I got my... Uh, statement said that's about 65 pounds in the UK. Um, I did hear things saying that there might be packaging or posting on top of that of about 20 bucks. So to me, that's at most, it's about 80, 80 pounds for, oh, it includes the Raspberry Pi. So it includes our Raspberry Pi, a 13.3 inch display, uh, 
and uh, a nice case to cover it. So, you know, you spend whatever you want, you know, minimum, we say 10 quid to put a, a keyboard and a, and a mouse with it. And you've got a, a full desktop, which to me is a, a brilliant price for it. So, yeah, I jump straight on it. I think this one for schools will be amazing. You know, you buy a whole bunch of these, you've got a consistent setup. Uh, the front panel, you can either have it on and just use it like a computer or you can, there's a panel you can slide off, which means you can get at the Raspberry Pi. So you can plug in your boards and plug in your electronics to actually do the electronics work. And it comes with uh, custom software where you learn to program by playing kind of like a, an, an RPG adventure game. And at $99, uh, as you say, 60, maybe 80 quid, that is, for, just for the components alone, that is a good deal, isn't it? I mean, for a screen and a Raspberry Pi 2, that's a brilliant price. So I can see why you backed it straight away. Yeah, I am very tempted to go back and get a second one, but I have to stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> Did you receive the first one, Albert? No, it's not shipping until about April. Um, okay. it's, it's an interesting funding because the way it worked, and again, I, I think this might be why they're on, Indi on Indiegogo rather than Kickstarter. Um, the moment I pledged, I paid through eBay and it showed up on my eBay statement straight away. So even though there's still time to go before the campaign is completed, you do pay immediately. So I think it's more of a purchasing type setup rather than a pledge. Uh, I mean, looking at the campaign at the moment, there's 16 days left as we're recording. The goal was fixed 50,000 as a, a fixed goal. And, um, they're at 128,000. So this thing is, this thing is happening. They have, they have other, other things in there as well. If you just want the display without the Raspberry Pi, it's $70. Um, and they also have this, this intriguing system whereby if you pledge 150, 149, um, which I didn't, um, they'll donate one to a school. They'll donate one to a, um, into university and they will then provide it to kids. So there is the option to be, you know, kind of like the, what the one lap or laptop for a child did, buy one, donate one. So that's kind of at the $150 mark. So there's multiple options in there. There's great pictures of it. They give all the details on what you get with it and where it came from and how they designed it and built it and who the people are. And it looks great. It comes in black or in uh, kind of a lime green. So because I'm into fashion, I went lime green. Nice. <laughs> so let's see how, how puce that actually is once it arrives. I think my daughters might appreciate it more than I will, but I think it could be good fun. So yeah, I $99 for Raspberry Pi and a display all in one easy to to transport unit yeah i'm looking at the campaign right now i'm definitely going to contribute to this it'd be nice to be able to just like like joe said a 65 five dollar laptop that's that's amazing well it says more desktop rather than laptop because it doesn't have the keyboard and mouse and all those things built in but it's very compact and that's that's my thing is i i see myself my, my use for this really is bringing it along to the jams bringing mm. it into schools when i go in because at the moment, you know, I carry a monitor, I carry the Pi separately, I carry a whole bunch of cabling. With this, it'll all just be stuffed into one thing. And that means I won't forget something, which is my usual thing when I go to the jam. I usually arrive and go, oh, I'm missing that wire. And for those of you who've been playing with GPIO Zero, it is now at its 1.0 release. So I just now saw the story, but I've already played with GPIO Zero a little bit in passing, and I'm a very big fan of this. So I'm glad to see this release has come out, and I'm also glad to see it is starting to catch wind of some more development. 
Yeah, I completely agree. For for the educational remit, it's ideal. It just makes it very straightforward. Um, I need to put together some work because I'm doing the computing club in January. So I need to put together some coursework and handouts that I can use with the Raspberry Pi using GPI 0 to make this actually practical for the kids. Yeah, it makes it a lot more accessible, doesn't it? I mean, you get into the GPIO stuff and it's a bit scary at first, isn't it? Whereas this is really designed to, to make it just easier and more it's it's overly verbose yeah for no reason but when gpl zero helps kind of bridge that gap it dumb it down so to speak and it makes it really easy to manipulate everything you want yeah the com the comment i heard was basically if you're teaching how to do electronics with the raspberry pi some you know interface into an led you kind of have to say type all of this in don't worry about what it is but you'll have to do it every time but don't worry about what it is because we're not teaching you that at the moment and let's hope you type it in correctly because you don't know what you're typing in yep, yep. and if you do it all right then it will work if not it'll be broken and i'll tell you how to fix it but i'm not going to explain it at the moment because we're teaching you a different thing for the moment so it's, it's just another hurdle that disappears and then it's very straightforward and they're adding uh, extra support for more boards as well and components so if you want to use um, a pir passive infrared sensor then you just say you want to use a PER, and that's it. It's 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 built in as a function. If you want to attach motors, you say you want to use a motor, and that's it. It's it's really really straightforward. So one that's got you excited, Isaac, is processing is now available for the Raspberry Pi. Processing being the programming language. It's really not uh, so much the programming language. It's more of the IDE. And uh, but it is processing in and of itself is definitely focused more on making graphics a lot easier to use through coding. But when I pulled it down initially, I started playing with the graphics of it. But it's not until I dove into the actual IDE itself that I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it because I use my Pi only for developmental purposes and also to experiment with other languages and frameworks. And using processing made that so much easier. So I was able to download the latest version of Python or Java, play with that directly on that IDE, and it has a really good debugger. There's great code examples. Um, everything you download through the IDE, such as books, example codes, other libraries, you immediately can go pull up examples of all that stuff. Uh, so like uh, Yahoo Weather was one a random library I pulled down just to test out. And they were able to spin up a real quick example of how to create a class or object using Yahoo Weather. So I immediately got to see the weather in my area and was able to tie that in with some other things I was goofing around with. But not just that, there was Arduino code examples I was able to pull down. There's JavaScript. And you can flip back and forth through these languages while you're programming. So the IDE gives you great, lets you know when the code is um, not compiling correctly. It has a really good debugger. Now, it's not nearly as heavy lifting as Eclipse or IntelliJ, where it has this autocomplete ability to let you know what you're thinking about maybe using next. But definitely is awesome for development on the Pi if you want something open source that's lightweight and easy to install. I would highly recommend pulling down processing. I'm currently using Pluma, I believe is what it is, to do most of my development on, which works and doesn't work. But I'm definitely about to quit that to start doing processing. Yeah, the great thing with processing is the Arduino IDE is based off the same system that the processing IDE is off of. So if you've done any tinkering with the Ar Arduino, 
then processing will look very familiar. And as you said, Isaac, there's code on how to interface processing with Arduinos to use Arduinos for getting in data and sensors, which to me for the Raspberry Pi is fantastic because the Arduinos have true analog input. Um, so if you need to connect analog devices like, you know, potentiometers or, or analog temperature gauges, then you can just plug in a, a cheap Arduino, uh, connect to it over USB and use processing to read off the data very easily. Yeah, exactly, Albert. And instead of doing some text editor for most of like your GPIO work for Python, you could just spin up processing and start doing it directly through there. And there's, like you said, examples. I, I was really, at first I saw the story, wasn't thinking much of it. I started playing with it and now I'm completely hooked on it. And I see myself using it a lot more on a consistent basis. Well, let's end with a couple of quick reminders. Uh, the first one that Pi Wars is on December the 5th and it's looking like it's waiting list only at this stage yeah it's it's fully subscribed there the obviously the competitors are coming along but even the audience tickets they've completely sold out and on the um eventbrite page there's now a, a waiting list that you can uh, sign up to if you want to hope to get a ticket to it and if you do then get your name in early i think is the best uh, best advice yeah and we spoke to michael horn and tim richardson about it back on episode two so check that out and uh, also a reminder that the CamJam Educate 3 has been launched. Yeah, so if you want to make your own robots, this is the place to start because it comes with the motors, it comes with the motor controller board, uh, and a couple of other bits and pieces so that you can actually make your own uh, robot. And looking on, on YouTube and on the internet, a few people have actually just used the box it comes in as the chassis. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I just thought that was ingenious. <laughs> You know, as 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 they said when they launched it, the idea is you can add your own chassis, whatever you wish, and then people are just using the box, and it works, and it works perfectly. It's brilliant. Yeah, well, that's it for the news then. Let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by Sam Aaron, who is the creator of Sonic Pi. So welcome, Sam. Hello there. So the first question I always ask is, can you give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself? I certainly can. Um, my name's Sam. I'm a programmer. Uh, I currently work at the University of Cambridge Computer Laboratory, and uh, part of my work there is to create something called Sonic Pi, which is a piece of software which is installed by default on the Raspberry Pi, uh, which allows you to write basic text, which is code, and it turns that code into music. So you can uh, use the Raspberry Pi as a new kind of musical instrument by essentially just writing some simple pieces of code. Uh, were you working on that before the Raspberry Pi was out? Was it a, a previous project? Not at all, no. So before the Raspberry Pi came out, I was working on something called Overtone, uh, which was a live coding environment. So sim similar kind of idea. You write code and it makes music. But uh, it was powerful enough to use to perform on stage. So I had a band and I toured around the world writing code for people making music. Um, and then uh, when the Raspberry Pi came out and it was uh, so incredibly successful... There was a bit of uh, interest in seeing if they could create some new kinds of tools to engage kids into code. And uh, I think people had seen what I'd done with Overtone. I thought maybe that might be interesting to see if we can get some aspects on that on the Raspberry Pi. So Sonic Pi was sort of a rebirth of Overtone specifically for the Raspberry Pi. Now, uh, you mentioned there that you are a, a coder, a developer. You didn't say that you are a musician. I mean, do you consider yourself to be a musician? Well, it's a funny thing. We talk about these categories like coder or musician or, you know, insert your favorite category there. And I don't really believe in those things at all. They're useful for other people to help frame and understand where you're coming from, but I think they're not useful for yourself. And so 
Uh, I don't really see myself as a programmer. I'm just a person who uses code. I also make music. I also uh, share what I do with other people. And so I wear many hats depending on who you, who you are and how you see me. So I guess if you want to call me a musician, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> Fair enough. So did you start using Ruby for Sonic Pi because that was the program language that came natural to you? Yeah, my favorite language currently uh, are Lisps um, with all the parentheses, specifically Clojure with a J. It's a fabulous language. And, and really, I, if anyone's interested in programming, I suggest people spend some serious time looking at Lisps. They just, they'll blow your mind and, and, and put it back together again in a new way that's just going to be fabulous. Um, but uh, my previous system, Overtone, uh, was built on top of the thing called the JVM, the Java Virtual Machine, written in Clojure. And when I got that running on the Raspberry Pi, it took seven minutes to boot, mainly because the Raspberry Pi's performance was nowhere near the uh, the same performance I'm used to a normal desktop PC. And also the JVM is really written, well, specifically Clojure's written, assuming you've got multiple threads, multiple cores, uh, and they all can help each other out. And so Sonic Pi then was written in a different language, and so I chose a language which was quick to boot and one which I had some familiarity with. So Ruby was that language for me. And kind of a, a personal question. I've sort of seen the Sonic Pi stuff and played with it a bit. Is the language you type Ruby, or is it a language you came up with that then gets interpreted into, into Ruby, if you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think... Again, like with categories, whether I'm a musician or not, I think uh, focusing on languages is is something people like to do, but I don't think it's actually that interesting. And uh, uh, Ruby or Python or Java or Clojure or Lisps have have some very interesting properties, and some have good and some have bad, depending on what you're trying to do. Um, Sonic Pi is written primarily in Ruby because... Uh, I was familiar with it, but also because the syntax is extremely flexible, uh, much more than Python. So you can put spaces in front of things. It doesn't mind. You don't have to put semicolons into the sentences. You can omit the parentheses. You can leave them out. So it's really flexible. And when I go into a classroom, having that flexibility works really nicely and not having to be so rigid about stuff. Um, but going back to your question, when you write code in Sonic Pi, that's written in a dialect of Ruby. Um, it's what's called an inside, internal DSL where DSL stands for Domain Specific Language. So I've taken Ruby, I'm treating it like clay, and I've morphed it into a language which is specific for making music. Okay, so there would be some Ruby-ishness in there, but don't <laughs> you won't become a Ruby programmer by using Sonic Pi. Well, that's another interesting point. Um, if you are a Ruby programmer, you can use all of the things you know in Ruby in Sonic Pi today. Um, but if you're not, you don't need to know any Ruby at all to get started. It's just a very simple environment, just specifically for making music. However, if you do start using Sonic Pi and you start to get to the more advanced features and you're nesting with effects blocks and calling uh, live loops, then actually you're using a dialect of Ruby, which is very similar to something called Ruby on Rails, which is one of the most uh, uh, used web developer frameworks out there. So skills you'll learn making music in Sonic Pi with Ruby are directly transferable to the workplace, if that's your bag. Very excellent. You, you mentioned at the, at the top that you're involved in, in research. I'm, I'm presuming it's research in music. No, absolutely not. So I'm, I'm particularly interested in research in programming languages. Um, how do we make programming languages more live? What does it mean to change a program whilst it's still running? Uh, how can we reason about programming languages in a way that makes us, not just in terms of what the language can do, as in what the features are and where it can take us in terms of what we can build with it, but particularly to focus on how it is to reason about and think about a language. 
I think it's it's one thing to have a language which is powerful, but it's another thing to have a language which is usable. And so I'm focusing on usable languages. And so uh, Sonic Pi in design is usable by anyone from age six upwards, whereas most programming languages don't have that property. So I'm a musician and Isaac is a developer. So it was very interesting to kind of put our heads together about Sonic Pi. And so the question that I've got a funny feeling you're not going to want to give a binary answer to is, do you think that it's more suited to coders learning about music or musicians learning about coding? <laughs> Again, yes, you, you predicted the answer. Um, a binary answer is, is, is it would it be a ridiculous thing to do at this point. Um, I think that uh, just try and take that question and apply it to a different context and see see what happens. You know, like, would it make sense that uh, reading or writing is, uh, is 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 usable by somebody who is a professional writer or somebody who is trying to just jot down their thoughts? It's it's just crazy, isn't it? You use writing for all sorts of different ways for expressing yourselves and for for different purposes, from making legal documents to writing letters to our friends. Um, I think code at the moment is only used by coders, and that's a tragedy and something we need to change. We need to get more people to make more code. And that doesn't mean we need to make everybody professional programmers in the same way we don't all read and write because we're all professional writers. Um, we just need to find ways to be more creative with code. And so I see Sonic Pi as a tool for allowing people to have their first creative experience with programming languages with code. Um, and there are a lot of professional programmers who have used code for many, many years, but never really felt that creative. And so Sonic Pi can give them that creativity. And similarly, there are lots of people who have made music for many years, but haven't really used code and haven't had that creative experience with code. So similarly, it'd be very useful and interesting for those people too. And ideally, what Sonic Pi does is it allows you to, your, your friends, who one of you is specifically interested in music or uh, spent more time working with music and one who spent more time working with the code to get together and to work together and to share your ideas and to share your knowledge so you'll both become better off and sonic pi can be that system which binds you together and creates a common platform for you to share your ideas in some ways that's effectively what the raspberry pi does for well the the whole computing field as well isn't it it's it gives a platform that anybody can do anything they wish with a, a lower barrier to entry Absolutely. I mean, I, I personally think that the, the most important thing about the Raspberry Pi isn't the hardware itself, it's the community. Um, and it's the people who rallied around this idea that uh, it's important to learn to code. It's also important to be able to make interesting things and to build things and create things. Uh, and it's important for people to get together and to share their experiences. So it's amazing that we have a community where expert programmers are helping people who are complete beginners. But complete beginners are giving great ideas to expert programmers. And, and the Raspberry Pi is this community which binds all these together and, and the hardware enables all of that which is just fabulous did you approach the the raspberry pi foundation with sonic pi or was it a chance meeting or did they sort of spot what you were doing and say hey we like this and any chance we could make it sort of built into a uh, raspbian yeah it was actually the latter so i was working in the computer labs and so the raspberry pi also came out of the computer labs itself uh, so there's obviously a lot of people who knew each other, members of the foundation who were still members of the computer labs in Cambridge. And so I think there was enough people who'd seen what I was doing to be able to sort of draw the links and make the connections, and I was approached. So if people don't have a Raspberry Pi spare to check out Sonic Pi, how easy is it to get working on other platforms, Windows, OS X, 
you know, other versions of Linux, x86 versions. Yeah, well, so the goal of Sonic Pi is to give people that creative experience with code and to lower the barrier to entry for that experience. And so if you already have a computer, if you already have a Mac or a PC, then there's a free download waiting for you to just to, from the website. So on Windows, there's an installer, which will install it for you. And on Mac, you just drag and drop the app into your applications directory, and it'll just work. But of course, if you don't have a PC at home or your Mac at home that you don't have access to, then go and buy a Raspberry Pi. It's super affordable, and you can do everything you, you can do on the PC and Mac on the Raspberry Pi itself. So I've seen on the Sonic Pi, you're also doing live coding experiences. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how they got started? Yeah, well, that's where the fun really probably starts. I mean, uh, when people open Sonic Pi, they'll write the word play, choose a number to play, and press the run button, it'll make a nice beep. And then they can write sleep, and they can, it will wait a few seconds, and they can do another beep. And, and by interleaving plays and sleeps, they can make any melody that, that, that Western music can offer, which is pretty exciting. Um, and, but that's where most people tend to stop, actually. But where the real fun starts is when you say, I'm just not going to compose a piece. I'm not going to imagine the composition and write it down so that I can just press play and let the computer play me the notes. Instead, what I'm going to do is ask the computer to do something very simple, just repeatedly. And so maybe that's making a bass line or a beat or some drums. And then whilst it's playing, change it. So it's doing different drums or a different bass line. And, and why not have multiple things happen at once? Have the drums at the same time as the bass lines, the same time as the melody, and change them all at the same time. And so Sonic Pi completely supports this activity. And this is called live coding. So you're coding live. You're modifying the code as it's currently running. And if you to do this on a stage in a nightclub, then you're performing like a DJ. But instead of changing discs, you're actually being able to create the music live in front of the audience and watch how the audience is dancing and enjoying what you're doing and change the music as, 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 as you see fit. And so live coding gives you a really great way to make, a, a fantastically new way, in fact, really, to make music that's, that's never been possible before. And that's something you've done, isn't it, in front of audiences? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, so Sonic Pi is developed uh, specifically for the classroom. And so I spent many, many, many hours watching many, many, many children using Sonic Pi, and that's fed directly into the development. And I'm still doing that, and that's a great way to get new ideas or to see if things work or don't work. But I, I don't think it's enough to focus on something that works well in the classroom because I think it's really important. Well, what I've found is when I've gone into a classroom, if I'm able to do something that's amazing, people say, wow, how do you do that? Then I say, the only difference between what I can do and what you can't do yet is practice. Then it gives people great sort of pathways to, to, to do exciting things. And so I don't want Sonic Pi just to be something fun to engage kids in coding. I want it to be a, a musical instrument that they can learn, like a violin or a clarinet. And the more that they practice, the more Sonic Pi will reward you. And so I need to prove to people that it is actually not just a simple little toy, but it's a really amazing, powerful instrument. And so I do DJ in nightclubs around the world using a Raspberry Pi, running Sonic Pi, uh, and I project the code behind me so the audience can see the code. Uh, and I make music for people to dance to. And does the Raspberry Pi have the capability that the Overture system used to have, or is, it, is there some limitations still in there? That's a good question. So it's a comparison of my old system, Overtone, and Sonic Pi. Overtone, sorry. Uh, and you're talking about the Raspberry Pi having the power? Um, so, yes. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. Um, 
uh, Overtone uh, allowed you to redesign the synthesizers on the fly. Sonic Pi does not give you that ability, but nobody wants to do that live anyway. Uh, what you want to do is trigger the synthesizers and modify the parameters. Um, and so Sonic Pi gives you tools that Overtone never had. It's actually, uh, although I thought my focus would be on Overtone as a, as a tool for my performances, and Sonic Pi might be a fun thing to, to educate children with, it turned out that actually by making Sonic Pi into the, a more powerful music system, it delivers them both. It, it engages kids way, with way more deeply and it's also extremely satisfying to play as a musical instrument. It's just, I spend two hours a day now practicing Sonic Pi and jamming with it and, and using those experiences to fold back ideas into Sonic Pi's development so it's a smoother and more enjoyable experience for everybody. And how do the kids take to the, the live coding compared with the sort of straight composing, if you know what I mean? Um, it's a different way of thinking. Um, so I've, but I've seen a lot of children just get it straight away. It's, it's a very simple thing to think about. I mean, you can just say, here's a loop, and everyone knows what a loop is. It's something which repeats. And here are two loops which are looping at the same time. That's not that too hard to think about. Here's a loop going bumch, bumch, and here's a loop going blue, blue, or whatever. Obviously, that I can, I can't sing a particularly good melody, but yeah, you can imagine two things happening at the same time, just in the same as a band. You can imagine the drummer playing at the same time as the bass player playing at the same time as the lead singer, right? That's not hard to imagine. And then all you need to do is to be able to say, well, if I can describe the bass dr- drums with some code, I can then change that code. And the next time round the loop, it does the new thing. And so I've gone into schools and taught this live coding from 10-year-olds up. And it's been really beautiful to watch them perform. It's, and, and the things I've seen have been really uh, surprising. I've seen children who look very well-to-do making the fattest, sickest beats <laughs> that would, wouldn't go out amiss in a nightclub in Berlin. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. There was a, a competition run by the foundation um, with Sonic Pi. Is there plans for another competition or was that a, a one-off? Um, so yeah, I wasn't involved in the creation of the competition. I was involved in delivering the, the prizes and getting involved in the voting. And so it was a fantastic thing. And I think it was wonderful. And I do hope they run it again, but I'm not part of uh, any team that makes that decision. So have any famous musicians uh, told you that they've used Sonic Pi? Uh, that's a good question. Not, not of yet. Uh, I'm hoping at some point. Uh, they'll, they'll, are we interested to find out who the first one would be or if they were to own up to it? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be good um, good publicity, wouldn't it? It'd be fabulous, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking to find uh, some musicians who uh, already are, are have a, a known sort of fan base. That if they can use Sonic Pi to make one or an aspect of one of their tracks, and if they would also be kind enough to share the code with everybody so everyone can remix and mess around with the music they made, I think that would be fabulous for everybody. Um, so it's just waiting for that person to come up and, and say hello. And it's just a text file, isn't it? That's the beauty of it. That's a, that's the thing, right? So we've talked about uh, Sonic Pi in education. We've talked a little bit about Sonic Pi as a sort of live coding music, musical instrument. But it's also a tool for describing how sounds sound through time, which is basically like dots on a stave, Western notation. But in addition to talking about time and pitch, it can talk about how the sound sounds, the timbre of the sound. So we, what we have now, and because it's all text... We have a, a format for writing our compositions that can survive hundreds of years. Uh, whereas most of interesting electronic music that's made today, there is no notation. And those pieces of music are, are lost in many ways. The, the composition, the, the decisions that the composer made, the thoughts, in many ways they've gone. And all we have left is the, is the final piece. Whereas with 
Bach or Beethoven, we can look at the actual compositions themselves and uh, we can study them and we can learn new things from them. And so Sonic Pi is providing a tool for that kind of analysis, that kind of exciting exploration of notation uh, that can survive time because it's text. Is there any any plans for Sonic Pi in, in the, the live coding experience? Is there any way to, at the end of a performance, know all of the edits that you've made? to effectively get the same piece again? Yes, yeah, so at the moment, uh, hidden in your version of Sonic Pi is a thing called Git, which is a version control system. And actually, every time you press the run button, it saves uh, the code you've actually written uh, in that in that run uh, as a local file. And so you already have history in on your machine right now uh, of all the runs you've made. It's just a matter of finding out a nice way to, to expose that so you can essentially undo to last year um, or undo to last week or capture the, the edits you had in the last performance. So, yes, the answer is I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, the technology is in, in the Sonic Pi right now. I just haven't found a nice way of exposing it to everybody. Because the goal of the Sonic Pi isn't just to do exciting things. The goal is to make those exciting things accessible to everybody. And so it's not enough to say, hey, here's a cool technology or here's a cool idea. I need to be able to figure out a way of representing that in a, in a format that 10-year-old kids can, can pick up straight away and run with and do exciting things with. Fantastic. Um, kind of one, one kind of question that I, I sort of think about for, for this sort of sphere of music and programming. At this point, when you're composing, do you think in Sonic Pi programming or do you think in music? Um, I don't think I've ever really thought in music, whatever that might mean. I definitely think in Sonic Pi programming, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely start to listen to music around me now and start to imagine which bits I can code and which bits I can't code. And I'm interested in both. Like if I can code things, it's fabulous. I can recreate it. And if I can't code it, it's like, why? Is it because Sonic Pi isn't good enough to, to sort of deal with that aspect of music? Or is it because I haven't become sufficiently, uh, 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 familiar or uh, fluent with Sonic Pi that I can yet figure out how to translate those uh, musical ideas into into code. Um, so yes, it's, I'm, I'm I'm amazed by how uh, powerful it is already. It is a uh, people have no idea really. To be honest, if you're listening at home, you've got no idea how powerful Sonic Pi is as a musical instrument. It's just amazing. Um, people think it's just for beeps, and you can do a just just insane levels of detail of music with this thing. Um, and it's just waiting for you to just open it up and find those exciting things you can do with it. Well, Sam, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. And um, we'll put a link to sonic-pi.net in the show notes. But you don't need that. You just need to press the little Raspberry Pi, click on programming, and there it is, Sonic Pi. And there it is. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. Just make sure you've got the latest version. That's always the thing. With Sonic Pi, there's a new version every sort of two or three months. And it's always a huge number of improvements and performance improvements and all sorts of goodies. So always get the latest version. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for giving us your time and uh, hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah, so that interview with Sam Aaron was amazing. I got caught up not really asking too many questions because the stuff he was saying was, I felt mind-blowing to me as a developer because I don't look at what I do. Unfortunately, I don't look at what I do as really creative on a consistent basis. And he has definitely put a spin on things that I find personally enjoyable and what he's doing for not just the Raspberry Pi, but the world and the coding community as a whole is amazing. Yeah, and uh, the night after we recorded that, um, I was on Twitter and I saw that he was doing some uh, live coding. So I uh, logged into the stream and it was it was great. I had it on while I was uh, busy working away on my computer. 
So it's really enjoyable the music that he that he even makes using Sonic Pi. So not just as a, a developer, but also as a as a creative person. The work that he does is fantastic. Yeah, it's funny that uh, I mentioned in the interview that I'm a musician and you're a developer, Isaac. And it's kind of like he's he's more talented than both of us put together by the looks of things. Oh, yeah, for sure. And what kills me the most is how he considers the Sonic Pi not as program or code, but as an instrument. And that that was just amazing when he started talking about that. Yeah, we a- we asked him again, just quick chat afterwards, asked him about the, you know, some of the things he's looking at. And one of the things we were saying was it uses MIDI numbering systems, but it doesn't interface with MIDI. So that's one thing that's on the list. And also um, asked about would there be the ability to record any sort of live coding sessions and he said that that's something he's looking into but no, nothing solid at the moment but that would be amazing if that's in their way you know you can literally go up do a performance and the system records what you did which means you can play it back and potentially make it available and have other people tweak it to to adapt to your composition so I'm, i'd love to see that added in yeah and with that we're coming to the end of another pie podcast if you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepiepodcast.com, find us on Twitter or Facebook, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks for more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. Take care. See you later.